today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. How good is our God? Anyone here uh, get saved at a Billy Graham crusade? One, two, three, four, five, six. Amazing, eh? What a what a what a week! Uh, what a week in the in the kingdom, losing such an amazing man of God. Hey, people, you know, people. Uh, I, I love it that he that he died at ninety nine. You know, because it reminds me of that parable that Jesus left the 99 to go for the one. So it's almost like that, you know, he, that one, if he got to 100, it wouldn't have fitted the parable anymore, would it? You know, he's always going after the one. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, what a phenomenal life, hey, just to, be, just to be standing for the gospel for so long. And, uh, you know, I'm I, I completely inspired by how many people I meet who either got saved or their mum or dad got saved at a Billy Graham crusade and... Uh, you know, gone are the days, you know, that, that um, you know, every weekend there was some sort of crusade happening in your nation. And uh, it was an amazing time for the spread of the gospel uh, uh, over, over those few decades that he really made an impact. And uh, yeah, I got a photo up there from, from, uh, of Billy Graham from the 50s at a, um, at a, youth, at a youth rally. It's fantastic, fantastic picture. <laughs> Obviously, the photography wasn't as good back then. And... Uh, but we're hoping it's going to inspire you at some point. There he is, youth for Christ. And, uh, you know, he, there's, a, there's, a, there's something I want to bring to you this morning. It says this. It says, our biggest battle is not believing that God can do something. It's this. It's, am I prepared to trust God with my life right now while he does it? See, the issue is not God's capacity. It's, the issue is actually, are we going to surrender him? Are we going to put ourselves in that pathway while he does it? Because, uh, you know, when God's at work, you've got to lay, you've got to put your agenda to the side. And, and you look at a life, you know, like Billy Graham's and you think, wow, you know, he trusted God. He put his life aside and allowed God to do work through him. And it's, it's been interesting listening to the commentary, both positive and negative, about his life this last week. And, uh, you know, I was even listening to, I think it was the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the US, chat, um, saying, oh, he didn't stand up enough for, um, for, the, for the race issues and apartheid and all those sorts of things. And I thought, um, you know, we're... When we look back at a life, it's easy to contextualise it to, to what we're experiencing now or whatever it is, instead of actually just acknowledging that they follow God in a call. And, and sometimes hindsight's not, as all, not always as good as we think it is, because hindsight is, is always, you know, in, in the knowledge of what you know now. And uh, some, sometimes hindsight would be handy back then, but it's not handy as a judgment tool now, is it? So I want to encourage you, you know, don't be too hard on your yesterdays. Trust that God wants to use you today. Trust that he is doing something and he wants you to position yourself with him. That's why, uh, you know, our vision for the year out of Daniel is those who know their God. You know, will, one will be strong, two will carry out great exploits. And, uh, you know, God wants to do some great exploits with you, but he doesn't want you to do them without knowing him. And uh, so, you know, the key, in fact, it doesn't actually say go and be strong, go and try to be strong, go and try to do great exploits. It says, no, those who know God will be strong and carry out great exploits. It's almost like that's almost the side effect of knowing God. 
this morning, why don't you turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to talk about wine this morning. Now, I know no one in here ever has a glass of wine, so... uh, you know, they tell me that the front row gets real wine in the, uh, in the communion, but everyone else behind gets the, uh, gets the uh, cordial. Uh, I don't know. They, get, they miss me every week. But uh, Mark chapter 2, let's start at verse 18. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came to him, Jesus, and said, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. Verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine bursts the wineskin. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now Jesus, he's illustrating that this gospel of repentance and forgiveness that he's he's bringing to deal with our sins doesn't actually sit well on on the wine, what he called the wineskin of the law, the old law. He says we need to be, we need to actually realize that this we need a new wineskin. We need to receive this afresh, not on top of our history, not on top of our yesterdays, but receive it afresh. And uh, you know, today we're going to talk of wine, and I will be your wine guide through the heavenly vineyards. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be tasting a few wines this morning. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because the, the, the wine of God represents his favour. And God doesn't want to put new wine into old wineskins. I've got a picture of a wineskin up there. And, you know, a wineskin was, a, it was a leather blade. It was made out of animal skin. And a lot of times they would put a, a goat's bladder inside the leather wineskin so that it wouldn't leak out. And sometimes they use the resin of, of tree sap and all this sort of stuff just to keep it. But, but here's the reality. Um, the wineskin is about containing the wine. What's more important, the wine or the wineskin? Wine or the wineskin? Hands up for wine. Hands up for the wineskin. Phew. What's more important, the water or the bottle? The water or the bottle? Okay. How are you going to, how are you going to, let me just give you, let me give you an example. Here's some water. We don't need this bottle. There we go. Oh, there's some. Well, oh. it's all gone, isn't it? You see, there's a place for the wineskin and there's a place for the wine, isn't there? And, and I believe that, that it's, it, the wine is more important than the wineskin when it comes to our sustenance. But the reality is, for us to be able to receive the wine, receive the new wine of God, we need to be able to contain it. We need to be a new wineskin. We, we need to not receive this, this, this new content of this new substance of the kingdom of God and it burst us at the seams and we cannot contain it because we're still stuck in old thinking. We're still stuck in yesterday's, in yesterday's plan. And, and I want to encourage you this morning that we need to be, be married to the goal, not to the plan. If, we be, if we're married to the plan and not the goal, we end up turning our wineskin into something that it's not meant to be. You know, we, we, we've, we, I've got a beautiful picture of a football wineskin up there. If, if, you, if you roll to the next slide. 
This is what we tend to do when we make the plan more important than the goal. You see, our goal is to get the substance of the kingdom of God in us, not to, not to deliberate on, uh, the, 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 on what the, what the wineskin looks like as, we, as it holds the wine. This is one of the challenges that we face because when you look around this room, all you see is wineskins everywhere. You don't see the wine. You don't see the substance. You see the skin. So you beautify the skin, don't you? you here's what happens. We miss the new wine trying to stay con- connected to the old container. I want to suggest to you this morning that there are four types of new wine. And these, these four types, we mentioned them in our vision a couple of weeks ago. First type of new wine is to know God. The second time is to find freedom. The third type is to discover purpose. And the fourth type is to make a difference. We need to receive these as new wine. We cannot invent these things. You cannot automatically know God, but you can, you can prepare yourself to know God. And I want to give you what the new wineskin looks like for each one. The first one, new wine. first new wine is knowing God. Our whole vision this year is based on you knowing God. It's based on the platform of you interacting with your Heavenly Father. Not you interacting with church, not you interacting with, with your people who you are close to, but you interacting with God. Because who knows that when you need God most, when you, when you're, you, it's generally just you and Him. When you're calling out on God, you don't necessarily have time to find a friend. All you have time to do is just say, Lord, help me now. Lord, I need you now. Lord, what, you know, I, want, I want his scripture to flow out of me in time of, in time of need. I don't want to have to ring up, um, you know, ring up Christian and say, oh, what's that verse about um, you know, being strong in the time of trouble? I just need to know that God said, hey, be strong. You know, be bold. You know, be holy, for I am holy. So here it is. Here's the simplicity. The new wineskin for, for, the, for the knowing of God is simply accepting your current reality. It's actually being honest. Jesus says, come all who are weary and heavy laden. So if you want to get to know God, be honest with him. Be real with him. You know, all you need to do is turn up and God will set you apart as holy unto him. You don't even need to deal with anything yet. You just need to turn up and say, Lord, I've got some stuff going on. And guess what? He already knows it. Remember the woman at the well? You know, he went and talked to the woman at the well and, uh, you know, he, he asked her about her life and, and she talked about, oh, I'm not married right now. He goes, that's right. He says that you've been married five times and the man that you're with now is not your husband. And she goes, wow, you really do know me. He already knows you. He's waiting for you to be honest with him. Getting to know God is more about your honesty than about you turning up to church. It's about you bringing the reality of your life, the brokenness of your life, the anxiety of your life, the, the, the pride in your life, all those things, bringing them to God. You see, the opposite to this new wineskin, the old wineskin is this. It's trying to prove yourself. Do you, ever, you, know, do you, ever turn, you always feel like you're giving your resume to people? You know, or you, or you talk to someone who you just want to hang out with and they're always giving you their resume. Oh, this is what I've been up to. This is what I do. Oh, this is what I've got. Or, you know, someone knocks on your door in the morning and you, you open the door. You're thinking it's the mailman, but it's your friend and you haven't got your makeup on. You experience that, man? I tell you. Sometimes we're trying to prove our beauty. We're trying to prove our worth. We're trying to prove our, our worth in, 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 a, in society by giving people our resume, by telling people what we've done. Sometimes we go, we go and do these crazy things so that we've got a story to tell, not because we love doing what we're doing. 
I see this young generation now that, that goes, that's always been the same, you know, that goes out, parties hard, you know, and it's almost like the worse, the more messed up you get, the better the story is the next day. So you're going through this trauma at the time, but the next day it's about, well, man, I was way drunker than you last night and blah, da, 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 da. And all these sorts, just ask Lockie, he can tell you, he's out at street reach every week. Sometimes we're trying to prove ourselves and Jesus say, you don't need to prove yourself. You just need to come with everything. Come and tell me who you are. Come and be real. It's time to get real with him, church. God is already bigger than your facade. He's bigger than your haircut. He's bigger than that dress you bought. You know, sometimes we, we, you know, your, 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 your car is, you know, in getting a service and they give you the borrow car and it's a bomb and you rock up to a meeting in the bomb and you go, well, this isn't actually my real car. My real car is, you know, and you go, why did I have to tell that guy that? <laughs> I had to tell him because I think he's going to judge me by the quality of my car, not by the substance that's in my heart. And Jesus is saying, forget about your car. Think about the substance that's in your heart. And he's saying, if you'll be real with me, you will know me. And when you know me, guess what? Here comes the substance. Here comes the new wine. New wine number two, find freedom. I don't know about you, but I need as much freedom as I can get. And uh, you know, there's something in each of us that stops us from living freely. And I want to suggest to you this morning that thing that stops us living freely is old thinking. He wants us to get out of our old thinking and, and, and be openness, have an openness to truth, have an openness to new thinking. Here's a great statement that, 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 that's been said many times. Truth has no temperature. What I find in life is that we get a lot, we get highly emotional defending what we believe. And I think if our belief is attached to truth, why are we so emotionally attached to it? Why are we so offended when someone disagrees with it? Truth stands alone. It stands on its own. This word of God does not need me to defend it with all of my passion. It needs me to live according to it with all of my being. It's a very different. We spend more time defending the truth than we do living the truth. And God wants us to, he says, don't look at, don't look at, 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 at being a defender of my name. He says, my name is greater than every other name. It doesn't need you to defend it. It needs you to obey it. And this is how we tap into freedom. We don't tap into freedom by arguing about all of the things that humanity does outside of God. We need to, we need to stand for it. We don't need to, to argue about what is marriage and what is, isn't marriage. We need to live great marriages. We need to love our husbands and our wives. We need to submit to one another in love. We need to, we need to work out how great families are in God and live those lives and stop defending the, the ideals and start living in obedience. See, most of our thoughts and beliefs, they're more shaped by how we've interpreted events than the actual truth of those events. And I like to call it the theology of who got to you first. You know, if you had a, if you had a, um, a father who was, who was tough on you and neglected you maybe or who, was real, who, wasn't, who you don't think was great for you, you'd, sometimes you might struggle to connect with your heavenly father because you're, you're comparing him to your natural father. And on the other side of things, you might have had an amazing father who, who's your go-to person, who's always been there, who's, who's, been your, who's been your greatest inspiration, and you might struggle to love your heavenly father because you don't want to lose your earthly father who's been so amazing. 
You see, it works in the positive and in the negative, doesn't it? But what we need to do is we need to understand that true freedom is actually found at a better thinking, a renewed mind that it is in better circumstances. I find one of the toughest groups to connect to with the gospel is a second generation Christian because they're walking in the freedom of their parents' faith without necessarily the revelation of their own brokenness. If you've got children, who, and if you've got children then I, I want to challenge you to, to, to walk your children through and show them brokenness in humanity so they can understand that they, that, that they are now walking in your liberty. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. They are serving the Lord. They are walking in the, the benefits of the, of the Lord because they are under your roof, not because they have chosen him necessarily as their saviour and have an understanding of their own brokenness. We need to make a way for our children to come to know God. Better thinking, not better circumstances. Isn't it amazing? You can be at a party and, then, and be depressed at the same time. Has that ever happened to you? It's a great party. It's a good vibe. Everyone's getting their groove on, doing some moves, you know, the, all, this, all this stuff's going on. And you're depressed sitting in the corner. Why is that? You're in a great, positive, up environment, yet you're feeling depressed, isn't it? It's not always circumstances do not solve your state. The liberty of the gospel solves your state. You cannot always trust your experiences or your interpretation of them. Sometimes what you experienced was true, but your interpretation of it was not quite as accurate. Sometimes you need to act the opposite to access the new wine. The Bible says, what, is, what does it say about um, the spirit of heaviness? If you've got the spirit of heaviness, what do you do? You put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, church. We've got to, we've got to allow our thinking to be aligned with the gospel to not necessarily be aligned with our experience. If you prayed for someone and they didn't get healed, does that mean nobody gets healed? Does that mean you don't pray for people anymore? No, it doesn't. It means we, when we pray for someone, we submit that person to God and allow him, him, we put it into his hands and we just say, thank you, Lord. And we get on with our life and we pray for the next person. And we go, Lord, it is your will be done. Your will be done. New wine number three. New wine number three is about discovering purpose. And here's the new wine skin. Jesus, Jesus represented this so beautifully when he prayed at Gethsemane. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, the key part of discovering this new wine of purpose in your life is actually about laying down your agenda and being open to his agenda. Hey, if Jesus' will was done in that time as a man, he wouldn't have died on the cross and none of us would be free. But because he was big enough, because he, 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 you know, because he's, he was so anchored to his heavenly father, he says, but nevertheless, not my will be done, your will be done. And his purpose created our liberty. His purpose created our freedom. And God wants us to be the same. We, you know, we see, in, we see it with Mary, don't we? Whatever we are in communion with, that's where God imparts purpose. If you're, you know, this is why we have a $30 billion pornography industry. Why? Because whatever we're in communion with is where we find purpose. And if we get in communion with simply our bodies and, our, and the natural and the next buzz, we create environments that are unhealthy and turn and become purposeful in people's lives to the point where society becomes weakened. But if we're in communion with God, imagine what purpose we can create. 
Imagine what purpose we'll, we will carry from that point. We, we see this in the life of Mary in, in Luke chapter 1. The, the angel comes to her and says, Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. He goes on a bit further and says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. How will this happen? He says, well, the power of the highest will overshadow you. And then Mary said those most magnificent words. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. These are the great, that's exactly what Jesus says. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Let it be to me according to your word, according to your will, according to your ways. You know, like Mary carried Jesus, we carry purpose. We don't actually have a purpose. We carry a purpose. You know, we, we carry it for God. We, 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 we're entrusted with a purpose to carry it for, for a period of time. And desire and, and, and purpose is birthed by the realm that you commune with. Whatever you, you know, they say familiarity breeds contempt. No, actually familiarity breeds purpose. Familiarity, what we spend the most time with is where desire and purpose is, is, uh, is created. Just ask Barnaby Joyce. Hey, we lost, we lost a leader because he spent, he, he, his life was, was shifted, wasn't it? His focus was shifted and he, he got a new purpose. You know, to me, it's a sad day when one of our, when one of our leaders, you know, gets kicked, off, gets kicked off his position because, you know, because of, of a distraction in life. God wants us to stay on purpose, does he? He wants us to stay on track. We need to be followers of his will. As we seek God, the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The power of prayer, power of worship, the power of God's word. When we surrender, when we commune to God through these things, that's when ideas come. That's when desires come. That's when vision comes. That's when new hopes come. That's when new songs come. That's when new business ideas come. That's when, that when, that's when it, it, it just gets stirred in your life, doesn't it? Because you're communing with the creator of the universe, you know, whose imagination knows no bounds. And, he ta- and when you tap into him, when, you, when you're in communion with him, Imagine what's going to flow out of you. Here's the downside of purpose. You ready? When you come into agreement with God on his purpose, you're now in a battle. Mary knew that, you know, as a virgin, that was going to disrupt her life. Hey, when you're all of a sudden pregnant and you're a virgin, back in zero. It's, it's going to cause a bit of a disruption in your life in Nazareth. That's not something that people are seeing very often. And uh, so, you know, that was going to be a disruption. But nevertheless, your will be done, Lord. It's going to cause a disruption. We can live in God's house with no hassles. But once we accept an assignment from God, it's going to get serious. We are in warfare. How's, even Jesus. Jesus lived for 30 years, didn't really have any interaction with the enemy. He's, he's, he's flying below the radar. But as soon as he gets baptised, as soon as God says, this is my son who I'm well pleased, and soon as he steps into, into that place of ministry, boom, he, he gets an enemy straight away. And the enemy, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to deal with that straight away. So we, we get caught in this warfare. But here's the thing. There's no better place to be than on purpose with God. There's no better place to be. Why? Because that's where you discover God most. That's where, you, you know, that's where you're knowing 
we know God here. But when we step into his purpose, that's we start knowing him up here. He wants you to walk in his favor. He wants you to walk in his strength. He wants to give you new vision. He wants to give you new insights. He wants you to be able to read people's hearts. And the way that he gives you those things, he says, get on purpose. He's saying, make yourself, you know, make, make my will number one in your life and I will satisfy all of those great things that you've been seeking in me. The moment the anointing is on you, you've got a problem. You see, every assignment from God, every purpose from God is about taking, taking territory from the enemy. It's about seeing people set free. It's about, you know, it's a, we, we, we have this assignment of reconciliation on, over us. The Bible says, you, I give, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. I, you know, I have call, I'm calling you evangelists. Draw people to me. Show people what it means to live and to love me. And I will, and I will show them a freedom they've never experienced before. We don't like the warfare message. A lot of times in life as, as believers, we're trying to, to, to get the peace of God so we don't experience warfare. But here's the thing. Whether you believe in it or don't believe in it, whether you've read a book about it or haven't, you know, if you're on assignment, you're in warfare. It's not even about, you know, truth stands alone. We're in warfare. There's an enemy. If we step into God's purpose, uh, uh, there's an enemy there. Here's the thing. Do you know what I love about being on purpose? The enemy becomes visible. The greatest enemy outside of God's purpose is your own apathy, is your own flesh. You know, they say the three great enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Do you know what I love about the devil? He's been defeated. I'd rather battle the devil because he's been defeated than my flesh or the world any day of the week. So get on purpose with God and stop fighting your flesh and, and the world and start getting on board with God and fighting an enemy who's already defeated. All he's got is lies and accusations. Man, let's put him under the foot of Jesus at the cross and get on with the business of seeing souls reconciled, saved, set free, delivered, healed. Come on, church. So out of your communion with God, he gives you an invitation. He's inviting you this morning. He's inviting you to partake of fresh wine and the way that you create a new wineskin for yourself is to say, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. There is a future that is speaking to you. He wants you to walk in his favour. I love this old statement. It says, I can't remember who originally said it. It says his favour is an attraction of God to you that releases an influence through you so that everything you needed is provided for you in the assignment that God gave you. God wants to do business through you. He wants to have purpose. He wants you to live a life full of purpose. He wants you to be someone who's, who's inspired every day to get up and to get into it. You know, we are on, like the Blues Brothers, we are on a mission from God. And I hope there's 500 police cars chasing me one day, Tim, with the cameras rolling. The last one. The last new wine is making a difference. You see, we can have purpose, you know, because purpose is like new wine for us. Here's the thing. That's making a difference. This new wine is when the new wine of God is not for you. It's for someone else through you. It's when someone, so you've got, you're full of this new wine. You know God, you're, you're, you've found freedom, you've got purpose. You know, you're, you've got all this new wine going on. God's saying, no, there's one more type of wine for you. It's someone else tapping into my wine through you. Imagine being a conduit of God's, of God's favour, of God's blessing on those around you. Hey, 
It's quite simple, this one. The new wineskin is this. It's just positioning yourself so others can access the goodness of God through you. I think there's a lot of vats of wine in the church that aren't being tapped into because we're not positioned correctly. We're not positioned where a difference needs to be made. Where does a difference need to be made? Go and position yourself there and allow the wine of God to flow out of you. Allow people to to tap into you. Sometimes we just need to relocate ourselves. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're, we're we're complaining about, Lord, I need a new car. I need a new car. My car's five years old now. Can you believe it when your car's five years old and you need a new car? Do you know how you make your five-year-old car become brand new? Here's what you do. You drive from Noosa to Logan. And all of a sudden, you've got the newest car in town. You see, newness is about your location not your comparison of who's next to you, isn't it? When you drive downtown, you know, I drove up to some meeting the other day, my Jeep, and the guy who I was having a meeting with drove up in his Bentley. And I thought, well, his Bentley's worth twice as much as my house. And uh, what am I going to do with my Jeep now? And he goes, oh, how's the Jeep go? I go, it's all right. How's the Bentley go? Oh, yeah, he goes, it's pretty good. You see, you don't realise that you have a beauty that's barely been used. You don't realise that, that you have a redeemed soul that is brand new, waiting to be tapped into. You've got a set of Michael Jordan 4s from 19, 1988 that are brand new sitting in the box and someone needs to be able to put those things on and, and dunk a ball because you haven't done anything with it. God's saying you need to reposition yourself. You think you're old. You think you've been around a long time and you're, and you're tapping into, you're saying, Lord, I need more favour. I need a bigger house. I need more revelation. I need, I need the spirit to flow through me. And God's going, well, just go from here to somewhere else that's old. If you're feeling old, it's time to go to Egypt and stand next to a pyramid <laughs> and realise that you are the springest of chickens. You need to, if you want to tap in to this new wine, you need to relocate yourself. You need to relocate yourself, you know, not into another church, but into an area that needs a difference made to it. And you will make a difference because your newness, the new wine in you, will be tapped into by those who need that wine. The problem is without the wine that is in us, people around us don't need it. They've already got their own wine. Do you get it? Right, no more examples. The new wine's flowing, church. Hey, the new wine of the kingdom of heaven is flowing. But it gets wasted when we try to put it into our old ways, when we try to put it into our old thinking, when we try to put it into us standing on our own two feet. I'm a self-made man. You know what? I'm not a self-made man. I've got nothing to offer you. I love Paul's statement. The new wine's about this statement. It's no longer I that lives but Christ that lives in me. And when I surrender to that statement, I'm no longer trying to prove myself so I can get to know God. You know, it's hard to get to know someone when they're always trying to prove themselves. Hey, when someone's always giving you their resume about what they've done, you go, well, I I can't compete with that. I'll go and find someone else who just wants to make a new experience. 
God wants to have a new experience with you. He doesn't want you to rest on your old experiences. He doesn't want to rest on how you've interpreted your old experiences. He wants to say, today is a new day and there's new wine and you can get to know me deeper. He's saying, the deep in me is calling out to the deep in you. Let's get to know each other. Let's hang out. And then, let's, and then guess what? You're going to walk in freedom. And then guess what? Once you walk in freedom, he's saying, there's some new wine. There's some purpose for your life. As you just push your will aside and tap into mine, you're going to gain a purpose that you never understood. And there's going to be a favour on you that you cannot understand. I love it that when Mary landed in Bethlehem a couple of years before, the three wise men or the, the, the guys from the Orient, whoever they were, they were on mission to supply everything she needed to raise Jesus. They gave gifts. You know, the value of the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh, that was enough for them to raise Jesus, you know, as a family without having to worry about favour. Everything they needed to raise, to carry the purpose of God was given to them and was prepared because she said, let it be unto me according to your word. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? We need to keep on working on the areas that interrupt the flow of God's wine into our lives. God's saying, man, I've got so much for you. I've got so much blessing for you. I've got so much hope for you. I've got so much freedom and purpose. I want to make such a different difference through you if you'll just put your trust in me. You see, trust is the human side of faith. You see, we don't have a problem thinking that God can do something. We've got a problem surrendering ourselves to him while he does it. We've all, we're all control freaks. I don't know about you, but I struggle when I'm not in control. I don't like being in the passenger seat of a vehicle. When Kristen's driving the car, my feet are pushing on the brakes pretty well the whole time. If I had a steering wheel, I would be grabbing it. So would you if you were in a car with Kristen, by the way. <laughs> It's more survival than control, freak. But um, we need to make a way for the new wine of God. You with me, church? You know, man, we were praying this morning and I just felt like that, that scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need to live lives that bring God joy because your strength comes when he has joy. We want, we, want, we want the joy. But God's saying, no, if you live a life that brings me joy, you will be strong. You will do great exploits. You will live free. You will have greater thinking. You won't be bound by your, by your family. You won't be bound by your yesterdays. You won't be bound by your lack. You will be walking according and in the favor of God. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the new wine of your kingdom. We thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that, that, that your, your, your goodness knows no bounds. So today, this morning, we surrender to you. We surrender to you, Father. Lord, we ask that you renew the spirit of our minds, Lord. We ask that our yesterdays are left behind and we ask that, behold, as your word says, all things are becoming new. If this is you this morning in any one of these areas. If you just need to get to know God, if you're looking for freedom, if there's anxiety in your life, if you've just, you just been here for a while and you're looking for purpose, or if you've got a purpose but you're just not seeing a difference made, why don't you just put your hand on your heart and let me pray for you this morning. Father, for every heart that has a hand on it this morning, I just ask that your, 
that your Holy Spirit would lead them into truth, Lord. That you would give them the revelation, Lord, of, of preparing themselves to receive your blessing afresh, Lord. Lord, we want, we want your new wine, Lord. We don't want, we don't want to live, uh, we don't want to live in old revelation, Lord. We want fresh revelation, Lord. We don't want to have the manner of yesterday, Lord. We want fresh manner t- for today, Lord. We don't want to live according to the law anymore. We want to live according to the redemptive liberty of your cross. Lord, we don't want to be fighting, Lord, a fight that we're not meant for. We're sick of fighting our flesh in this world, Lord. Lord, we want to fight an eternal fight, Lord. We thank you that the enemy has been defeated. We thank you that we are free, Lord. Reveal to us now truth, Lord. Reveal to us now purpose, Lord. Reveal to us now where we need to relocate ourselves to make a difference. For every person, Lord, touch their hearts, Lord. Touch us afresh this morning, Lord. We want to live lives that bring you joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honour. We give you all the praise. Amen.